Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moz. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to thank our paying subscribers. It's their monthly payments that support not only this podcast, but all of the news and other resources we provide for the community. Thank you. Now let's get into the episode. My guest is Brian Hans, co-founder of Bike Index, a service that will list your bike so that if it gets stolen, or maybe I should say when it gets stolen, the information is available to confirm identity of the bike and of you as its true owner. I first met Brian in the early years of Bike Portland when we launched a stolen bike listing service of our own in 2005. It wasn't too long after that that I bumped into Brian and his work on StolenBikeRegistry.com, which he'd launched one year earlier as a computer science student at University of Arizona and that was ultimately folded into BikeIndex.org. Now, I consider Brian a bike theft superhero, and I don't use that term lightly. This guy has been dedicated to chasing down stolen bikes and helping theft victims for nearly two decades. He's helped recover so many bikes that I bet some of you listening right now are smiling because you've personally benefited from his efforts. In 2017, he and his co-founder Seth Herr garnered nonprofit status for Bike Index and have since grown it into an expansive and formidable resource in the battle against bike thieves. So far, they've cataloged over 734,000 bikes, with many of them that actually get listed automatically at the point of sale of the bike without the owners even having to lift a finger. As someone who started listing bikes manually by hand in 2005, that is just an awesome thing to stop and consider. One reason I finally made this interview happen is because of an amazing story that came out late last year. In December 2021, Hans and the Bike Index team published a report on a case they'd spent 10 months working on that involved hundreds of bike thefts in Colorado and a Facebook marketplace store in Mexico named Alexander's Bikes. In our interview, you'll learn the sordid details of how Brian connected the dots from desperate victims in Denver and surrounding cities to his expansive network of uh, partners on the ground, to an online storefront in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. We also talk about the inaction of Facebook to stop uh, illegal storefronts like this. Uh, that we, we talk a bit about the state of bike theft in Portland and much more. Here's our conversation. Brian, it's, uh, it's good to have you here. I was noticing um, as I prep for this, how long we've been working on bike theft together. So it's really, oh, God, it's yeah. been a few years. You're going to say like 2012 or something. Or no, I think 2009. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause that was uh, right after I moved here. Yeah. So you, I was, I was surprised you launched your thing in 2004. Uh, and I started, I started the listings on bike Portland in 2005. Yep. Entering them manually as people would like yep. email me or call me. Yep. I remember distinctly a few people would call me on the phone in tears. Yeah. Just one, one woman, her son got her. I mean, and I'm like typing it in Schwinn yeah. red, yeah, <laughs> like, this manually is by this hand, is, yes, like a like mm. we did in the olden web days. Yeah, yeah. so amazing. So, but before we get into all this good stuff, I want to talk about. Um, I mean, I, especially given this recent huge story that you were a part of with this whole investigation with this theft ring in Mexico that was going on. Um, I kind of see you as this like bike theft superhero figure, <laughs> and I don't like to do that a lot with people because. I, I'm just not into like celebrity culture and putting people on pedestals in general, but like looking at your timeline and how long the, how long you've dedicated to this one issue, which is in some ways a pretty selfless thing. It's not like 
top of people's mind until they get their bike stolen. Then right. They want to have a relationship with you. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I think of it as more of like a very, very weirdly obsessive about one very extremely niche topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, but it, as, as I've come to learn, like this one niche topic dovetails with so much of everything else in my life that I'm interested in, especially of late. Um, you know, I'm a tech dude, so the technology, of course, is really interesting. I'm a cycling dude, so the, the that angle is, you know, naturally really interesting. It's impossible to just be alive and not know tons of people that have had their bikes stolen. So it's, you know, that that is of interest to me. Um, and security-wise, and sort of... It, my day job is sort of the arc of that job has sort of leaned a lot heavier towards information security and open source intelligence and 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 that is like hand in glove with all this bikes stuff yeah so it's yeah but okay before that what were you doing before bike theft was part of your life i started my initial efforts in college i was just uh, a cs computer science guy and a cyclist, um, and just sort of had this idea and said, "Hey, let's let's try this thing and see if it works. Let's let's play with this thing called the web, you know, because it was I'm totally dating myself here. But it was like the late '90s, and you know, this is this is pre you know mobile interfaces, pre phones, pre all of that. Um, so it's just an interesting idea that I just have never let go of uh, since then. So I, I was just I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and I was just sort of a budding nerd and um you know didn't own a car biked everywhere was a multi-time theft victim and just sort of said i'm gonna bang this thing out and see if other people want to use it really? and you know that was so unbelievably long ago where was that what we'll call it was tucson arizona tucson. i was at the okay. university of arizona um and i you know i main that was the old stolen bicycle registry which only the only thing i cared about was stolen um, i never cared about uh, what we put a lot of effort into now which is everything that happens before that happens um, and then in 2013, uh, the bike index guys, Seth, her, he and I met up and just realized like, look, we're, we're duplicating our efforts. Let's, let's combine forces. But it's um, inspiring. Cause now you've, you've reached, I saw the stats and I know, I'm sure they're dated because the site's moving and shaking so much uh, on bikeindex.org, but 730 plus thousand bikes, yeah. 1300 or so partners that you're working with 17 million estimated total recovery thousands and thousands and thousands of searches on the site from all over the place the numbers alone i, I said this the other day like we we used to spend so much time you know 99 percent of our effort was just telling people who we are and please use our thing and like we'd have a good day i was like oh look 55 people registered it's like man that's so great and now you know a computer is registering 600 bikes a day, and we don't lift a finger. I love that. Um, so it's I, been interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, for for me getting into this work, I remember the thing that was really exciting to me was that it was like this community-based thing that like we the people had power to actually yes. do something that like police weren't necessarily equipped to do to do a good job at. I heard you on the um I heard you on another po the, the bike talk podcast a few years ago and I love when you said um uh it was a real eye, eye opener that this system cobbled together by a bunch of bike nerds could like find bikes that were stolen before the owners even realized that they'd been stolen yes. right because cops were searching the database and they'd find exactly. someone in the middle of the night. And that just that just really like it always shocked me how good it actually worked. Yeah, but it, <laughs> and, the the great thing is it's like it, it, it just like strikes me as how like the, the, that community-based power, I feel like Bike Index has really just basically, which which I love, which, you know, I remember back in the old days, it was like people just putting up flyers right. and then using like some of the Bike Portland platforms and yeah. other things online to like get bikes back. But like, I feel like 
what you've done with with bike index is like operationalize that scaled it up a lot and what's funny is even that has evolved because we so we do point of sale registration which we've been doing forever and ever and mm-hmm. ever now so you know as a bike is being sold in a shop they're just clicking a button and that bike's getting registered so we now have people that don't even realize that don't even recall don't even remember that their bike was registered and it gets stolen and it gets found and they're like wait a minute who are you again like how how did this happen like no no it's right here on your receipt you know when you bought the bike it was put into the system and that's why so so yeah that 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 has continued to evolve as well yeah so um in general you know i think when people think of bike theft they think of like we talk about like the u-locks versus cable locks debate or you know someone's whose buddy got you know left their bike out of a bar and it got stolen or something when they when they came out but there's been so many other like non-traditional thefts that happen right like I remember in Portland, we had like the um, the window pane bandit that was hitting shops. He was sort of, or somebody was like carefully removing window panes and removing the windows. Pretty brilliant, by the way. Uh, there were, there's like, you know, test ride fraud where people give a fake card. There's, there's literal like credit card fraud. There's like, we've had unbolting bike racks where they literally unscrew the racks. Had the guys sawing through the, yeah. the racks and mass. Yeah. power tools, apartment, I mean. Apartment break-ins. Apartment break-ins. We had the huge rash of shop break-ins during the last two years because bikes spiked in value. So you saw all these, uh, you know, commercial guys, like like straight up, you know, pro yeah. thieves, ramming trucks into shops or doing, um, cutting through walls. Um, yeah, Are there any we, other like unconventional ones that oh, you God, should mention? Man, we would be here all day. Yeah, yeah it's just, it, you've it, seen everything. It, like, I've the seen whole every, anything and everything. You know, the last two years has really been marked by such an escalation in shop robberies. Um, you know, we saw that you know specialized headquarters got hit. We just saw this crazy thing in Germany that I'm sure you just read about, where they, you know, they they that was a multi million dollar heist where they gassed a driver to make off. I think it was like $10 million in, in bike parts. Um, we There's just the scale and the dollar amounts have just gone up so much. You know, Colorado was really interesting because a lot of the, the stuff we uncovered in Colorado was directly related to, it, it wasn't just a guy. It, these were, you know, these were guys that were aiming at bike shops. And, and because it's Colorado, it's typically small, family-owned, you know, small brand Um you know those business those, those businesses took a lot bigger hit mm. than than say like a, a big you know big brand capital B big brand would take yeah so um, we, that was that was a real you know and these th- these thieves the way they were operating if you read those indictments that was sort of you know that's who they were aimed directly at yeah I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought up the Mexico thing because let's let's dive right into that so I'm gonna just real quick I'm gonna let Brian kind of do the what the heck happened so in December you published a report. Um, which was like 10 months in the making, something you started in February 2021. You started looking into this reseller based in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, which is right on the border uh, south of El Paso, right on the U.S. border. Um, found that he had a thousand bikes that he was listing. I guess we're assuming most of them were stolen. A lot of them were stolen. Um, for folks that haven't heard about this story yet, first of all, we'll put it in the show notes for sure because it's totally amazing. Uh, and it just came out uh, just a couple months ago, just in December. Um, what the heck was going on there? Yeah, it, it's hard to know even know where to begin with this one. Um, the whole thing started with a single message that just said, hey, I leave my name out of it, but I think you guys should take a look at this guy. And, I, and I'm not going to say where it came from or who it came from, but we, we get, you know, dozens of this type of thing on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, normally we normally these don't bear a lot of fruit. It's maybe onesie twosies. Maybe it's one guy with one bike or, you know, 
offer up as our bread and butter because every single day on every single city you can find stolen bikes there and it's just like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, you must but, get emails like that a lot from people. Yeah, hey, it, check this out. It's a real common thing, but because of the cross-border nature of this and because I because of some other things that I'm going to leave out, that it, it was just more instantly more interesting. Um, you know, the the seller had geo-locked his page, which I didn't even know this is a thing. So if you have a Facebook page, you can actually tell Facebook, I only want people from these certain countries to be able to see this page. So that was sort of a, an, which, you know. If think, you're ripping people off yeah, in said country, that's awfully I'm convenient. I'm sure someone thinks there's a business case for that. But like, so that took a little bit of getting around. Mm. And then, so it was, you know, once once we got a foot in the door and started looking, it just, it was like dominoes. It, you know, if we saw one or two, that would have been one thing. But it's like, you know, we saw eight, nine, 10, 11, and it was just boom, 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 boom. And it just kicked off a series of events that, um, you know, we, we, you know, we have a lot of partners in Colorado. Lily, who uh, is no longer with Bike Index because she uh, quit to go concentrate on her racing career with the U.S. team. Go Lily! <laughs> you know she's based in Colorado, and she opened up a lot of new partnerships. And we just we just have a lot of friends in that area. Um, and we, you know, at that particular time in my life, I was a pretty busy guy, and I just said, look. I know this is bigger than what I can do right now. Let's just take the first, I think it was like 50 or 60 or 80 picture bikes. Let's just compile these into a little... Like uh, screenshots from yeah, the sellers? I just, I just I looked at like 10 or 12 and matched a ton right away. And there was a bunch of other really interesting things that I won't go into now that that screamed, this needs more attention. Mm. But what I, what I wanted was I wanted our Colorado partners to basically take an even closer look and say... Oh yeah, you know that's the you know I, because we have so much data now. I was able to quickly match a bunch of bikes. I was able to say, yeah, this guy is selling stolen bikes, and I know that because I found one, two, three, four, five, six, and blah 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 blah. So you determine that this reseller with a Facebook presence, he's all, he was also on TikTok and Instagram, this thing called Alexander's Bikes. Uh, he's definitely selling stolen stuff. And it went where from there? You created this whole yeah, database we, well, online. We, wanted, and, we and... wanted a little more confirmation. So we, you know, we um, we took, I think, I, I forget what the original number was. It was like 50 or 60 of the first uh, batch that he had and just said, can you guys look at this? I know for a fact that you're going to be able to find bikes that I don't know about because you're in this community. You're 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 in a lot of these Facebook groups I don't know about. You guys know these shops personally. It's mostly Denver. It's mostly Denver, Denver Boulder. Um, but um, as we went further, it it sort of expanded outward. Um, and I just said, look, I you know I found X, Y, and Z. I think if you guys take a closer look, we can basically. I want to make sure that there's something here, that there's a there there before we really dig into this. And and the responses were almost instantaneous. You know, the, the partners we were working with out there were like, they just came back. And again, it was more dominoes. It was just boom, boom, boom. Like this guy's definitely selling yeah, my and, bike. And it was it was places that I would have never known to have looked. It was shop robberies that they personally had a relationship with the guy that had gotten hit. It was Facebook groups I'm not a part of. It's Instagram posts. It's just a deeper level than, you know, people who never heard about Bike Index. And so the picture that became clear that the further intrigued me was it wasn't it wasn't really necessarily all one town this was you know take a hundred mile radius around denver it, like all roads were leading to this cellar so it was you know it was uh, i don't know all of the the city names off the top of my head but we're you know the first thing we tried to do is like okay let's start calling up some cops you know let's pull police report numbers and let's pull jurisdictions and you know there's like a dozen like who do, where do you even begin because there's denver and there's boulder and there's golden and there's for you know and there's it just it to have 
such a wide geographic spread and to have such a wide, you know, one was an apartment break-in, one was a commercial shop robbery, one was taken from a business, one was a, another shop break-in. And you one just was start a, compiling all this information. And you just start and, looking at it from like the 10,000-foot level and, and saying— what I, what, I'm sorry. What I hope people can keep in mind as they listen to this and as you're hearing what Brian's saying is that they could have their nonprofit listing lots of bikes and just be fine and good, and Bike Index is awesome. The amount of work that oh, you guys dedicated to this, and think about it, he's they're not trained, uh, you know, cop. This, these aren't there's no police cooperation yet. I mean, yeah. pretty much on their own, digging into all this stuff on this one seller and unraveling this whole thing. I just wanted to underscore that so folks really can can understand what's going on. And so, I mean, the, the crazy part is, is you you know, you'd look at a bike and we're looking for indicators. So if you know, a slam dunk would be here's a, a sticker from a Colorado bike shop. Oh, like that you could see on the listing. Yeah. Of the, the, yeah. The so alleged so we you know we would we would look at this Alexander's listing and it was this you know super sick bike with with a lot of custom components and a lot of really unique characteristics and details. And if you were really lucky in one picture, they, they screwed up and they didn't omit an angle which showed you the, the sticker for the bike shop or a, um, you know, one red spoke or a top cap or, you know, you name it. And, and you know, or there was just a lot of stuff in there that pointed to Colorado. It was names of bars. It was names of bands. It was, it was just, you know, you all these things that people put on their bike. To have this store in Juarez, you know, have have this such a high concentration of stuff from, and we weren't seeing other states, we weren't seeing other indicators, we weren't seeing it was always Colorado, 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 and we, but we quickly pulled enough to go on that it was, you know, it was overwhelming. I I did not have enough time, but all I was doing was was banging out an Excel sheet that was here's a bike, here's an ad, here's the bike index bike, here's the jurisdiction, here's the case report number, here's the victim. You know, I, I talked to the victim and got the story. And so at one point we had this, you know, uh, Excel sheet that was like, look, I, I'm not going to take this any further because this is what's the point? I have dozens of, of bikes here in the tens of thousands of dollars. You know, I, it, it's useless for me to keep contacting these victims and saying, what do you want me to do? Let's try to take it to law enforcement. Let's figure out what to do with this. Mm -hmm. Let's get somebody to, you know, to act on this because uh, that's clearly the next step. Um, and, and, you know, I can sit here and call victims all day long and say, Hey, I found your bike. Can you confirm this picture for me? And even that was a hard dance because we, we, we didn't want, um, we didn't want people jumping in and contacting this I was guy. We say didn't that yeah. would spook him and then he would start doing something. Yeah. Different. There was a really, so I had to do things like, you know, I would send them, I would, I would pull, you know, fortunate for these victims. This guy would post 25 high resolution pictures of every single bike from every single angle, um, showing every single detail, uh, and and you know, but he had this giant logo in the background, and I would have to Photoshop this logo out because I did not want people to put two and two together and, and spook this guy until we had like some some clarity what we were going to do going forward. So even that ate up a decent amount of time. But after you know your fiftieth conversation with someone saying, "Well, how do I get my bike back?" You know, who is, like, and he's just like, "Ah, you know, I can't tell you right now. Trust me, I'm working on it." But but eventually you yeah. did, right? Because I was reading that this guy, people started actually approaching this guy, like people in Mexico, Mexican citizens. Well, yeah. Once How that did was, that happen? That was, after the, that was after the fact. How did um, it leak out? Did this Was that from just what, December? Or what, what eventually wound up happening? It's hard to do this because well, there's certain things I can say and things I can't but say. Can, but we like, can definitely say that the Colorado... <laughs> sure. Uh, d uh, what eventually wound up happening... General. Right. Yeah. In, in so November, yeah. the, the results of a investigation, which they you know pithily named Vicious Cycle, I because know, no, no law enforcement investigation is complete without a completely so slammed up cheesy name oh, uh they 
announced a bunch of indictments against a bunch of criminals who had been ramming trucks into shops and doing uh, basically organized. Um, they would steal a truck. They would ram a truck into a shop. They would loot the shop. And then they would go down to Mexico. Well, that's what's so in the hmm. indictments, they pulled data from border crossings, they pulled data from social media, they pulled I mean, these guys were not masterminds. Um, but what's funny is that the, the indictments are very heavy on method means tactics, but the indictments are not heavy on uh, where they were going. The, the line in that indictment says, you know, federal authorities believe that the bikes w- were resold in Mexico. And that's that's when we sort of kicked in and said, you know, well, guess what? Right. Okay. We, 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 we're going to that's why I called this whole thing closing the loop. Yeah. But the two you, are definitely related. You would have I mean, it, it is I am absolutely comfortable saying, you know, bikes that those guys stole wound up in this guy's sales because I have 25 high resolution pictures of every single bike with bike. You know, the thing is, is I, you know, I, I'm not a cop. I'm not, I don't have access to a lot of that information. I only have access to the stuff that we compiled. Um, but I, I am comfortable saying like, yeah, a ton of these bikes that these guys were involved with wound up in this guy's sales. So when I look at a map, I see that, uh, you know, the Denver area, which I mean, everybody here, everybody listening must know that like Colorado is the epicenter of mountain biking. So there's a ton of really nice mountain bikes there. And it's only like a 10 hour drive from Ciudad Juarez. Yeah. Straight, one shot, one highway. But as I was looking at the map and I zoomed out, there's several other cities that are pretty big epicenters for cycling. Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can look over, you know, I guess LA to some degree, the whole area that are relatively close, connected to a highway yeah. with Mexico. Like, do you, are you, do you assume that they're like, this is happening in other places or is there something about, about the Denver we area? We do, that- we do. And I can talk about that in a little bit. I mean, one, one of the other things we were looking at and that I was really curious about, so like dollar amounts and speed. So we, you know, we have data on when a bike got stolen and we have data on when it showed up on this guy's page. So that, you know, there was one in particular that I was tracking. I was like, wow, this thing took 13 days, you know, 13 days from day of theft to showing up all spit shined and ready to go with this big fat advertisement on this guy's page. That's pretty impressive. Wow. Um, you know, the other thing, uh, dollar amounts. Well, A, this whole thing has always been like one of those weird cycling urban legends, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, bikes go to Mexico. You'll never see them again. There's trucks, you know, that's organized. And like, it's no one's ever quantified this ever until now. The other thing that, you know, we talk about a, a lot in our article is like, I'm real interested in the economics of black markets. I'm real interested in what happens to bikes after they are stolen. I'm real interested in profit. I'm real interested in overhead. I want to know how these guys operate. We have we we captured a thousand ads, and to say he has a thousand bikes is slightly wrong because he would post multiple. He would post the same bike again and again, so it was kind of hard to nail down. But I'm comfortable saying he had hundreds of bikes. It's a high volume. Yeah, it was. But yeah, to say he had a thousand was was incorrect. But Mm, he did have several hundred. What we were getting was. You know, how much is your $5,000 bike going for on the black slash gray market? And, you know, is it ridiculously cheap? Is it close to market? Is it, um, you know, what is it? So, we, you know, I took, um, I forget what the specific model was, but I took um, one of the five to $6,000 uh, 2020 model bikes and sort of priced it, you know, what this guy was selling it for and what it would go for from, like, the pro's closet. You know, a very trusted, very verified American dealer who gives... You know about market rate for for going bike and and this guy was asking 80 85 percent of what the pros closet was asking so it's you know it wasn't he wasn't taking a huge hit on this he was you know he was going top dollar we don't know what his overhead was we have no idea how much of that is profit but he got the bikes for free 
minus the how much yeah, you paid I mean, the guys to drive the truck. There's a lot of gray area. I mean, clearly there's a lot of stuff we don't know. We, we don't know a lot of the mechanics of how or where or when he was getting them or what you know what that looks like or where it came from. But we just know that he got them right, and we're we're comfortable saying it doesn't matter how he yeah. got them. He got them, and you you can't you know he. Um, we could only see so far back how far he'd been operating, and we were actually incorrect. He's actually been operating for 13 years. Wow. And it's easy so, to change names. I mean, that's the nature of having such a little overhead in this online marketplace. So he could just open up a new storefront, which brings me to, to another point, which is that I know you've you've blamed, you've pointed a finger at Facebook quite a bit by saying they're not doing enough to try to thwart this kind yeah. of activity on the platform. <clears throat> yeah. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up the story just to give the. Yo, the sure. So what happens is we so we uh, we publish our article about this guy. We also published a tool that let all these victims. Um, we published a huge comprehensive. Um, online database of all the bikes so date price make model color his description uh, and a link to those bicycle photos because we knew there are tons of victims in there that we would never unearth uh, but now because of this article because of this publicity we were going to unearth more victims and we absolutely wanted to count those people in and we absolutely wanted to have those people communicate back to their law enforcement hey mine was part of this thing you know for your own tracking for your own numbers count me as one of those victims so we published the article, gets a bunch of press. We published this huge archive of bikes, um, which was no small feat. That was so much work. <laughs> uh, thousand, I mean, it was like 50, we published like 15,000 individual photos of, I forget what the, the total amount of bikes was, but it was stunning. Um, I, I spent about a week just rounding up victims who, you know, you know, hey, I read the story. I found my bike. Oh, my God. I didn't know about bike index. You know, what should I do? Um, so we spent about a week just sort of running clean up on that. Um, the seller, the actual, uh, his response was real interesting. He, uh, day one, uh, and he posted this all in Spanish, so it's kind of hard to muddle through, but he, he posted a huge blanket denial. I don't know who these guys are. They're liars. They're, they're haters. They're, I mean, it was, it was. How, how soon after the, your report came out? It was like 12 hours. Okay. So he, he got back to him pretty it quick, got back obviously, because you named name. It got to yeah, but got back to him pretty quickly. Um, so and, he posted a denial saying that you know what? we we were pretty like I I thought real long and real hard about this. I I did not want to focus on the guy. I wanted to focus on the phenomenon, the economics, the problem, the bigger picture. Like because there's always going to be like there's this guy. There's 20 more of this guy, right? I I, I don't want to you know I didn't want to make it about this one particular dude. It's not my goddamn fault he had his name, you know, his branding, his yeah. big fat 50 point font. Like it's not my fault that his name was plastered all over this stuff. But my, my goal, you know, our goal was not to point a finger and say, look at this guy, he's a bad guy. It was, let's talk about the problem. Um, but his actions next sort of, you know, he made his own path. Um, so he posts a huge blanket denial. Um, out of nowhere, the Mexican cycling world is not a world I move in or know a lot about. Mexican cycling Facebook and Mexican cycling Twitter and Instagram and uh, the crews down there and the racers down there, like, that's not my world. And I don't speak that great Spanish, but they came after this dude so hard. <laughs> it's with such a vengeance and with such a swiftness um, that we just, you know, we just watched this guy get savaged and people called him out left and right. And, you know, and it ranged from, cyclists who uh, had always suspected or who knew some things and, and sort of we, we learned a lot more after the fact to people who looked up the bikes they had bought from him say, and yeah. said, dude, 
you know, they were they were coming out of the woodwork. They were angry. Because an important point is he was selling these bikes to in Mexico only. So there were a lot of people who lived in Ciudad Juarez who realized now. <laughs> well, that he was shipping all his was shipping his, all over his ability to ship all over the state, as he put it, meaning the country. Right. But was so that's like, why people were upset even more and more invested yeah. in the stories because they were now owning someone else's bike that, right. that was obtained illegally, and they had no idea. And you know, one of one of the big questions, you know, the the cynics that came out were like, oh, you know, they don't they don't care, they'll buy anything, they they don't give a shit if it's stolen, they don't care if it's a black market. That, that is not the case, and we saw it play out in real time, and it was savage <laughs> like especially these kind of bikes which yeah. are like enthusiast level people who are invested i think there's a little bit more of a bond yes. when you get to this level of high-end bike yes. versus just say random hybrids that a college kid's gonna Pre- right? precisely they're attached to these bikes and it's sort of the, that that's where i do believe there's a bond among so all I, cyclists. I i spent about two weeks just sort of immersed in this world that i have never dipped a toe in and you know i talked to a lot of really interesting people people who own bike shops north of mexico city who are like no we hate these dudes too we've been hit five times you know, we, we got robbed and we traced our gear to, you know, not this guy, but a guy that's exactly like this guy. And, um, you know, people who sort of uh, gave me the bigger picture on, uh, again, I'm going to be very careful about how, what I say and how I say this, but like people who say, okay, we're from here, we're from Juarez. If you're from the north, you know exactly what's going on. You know he's a fayuquero. He's a black marketeer, and it's just that these guys exist, and they're just a part of our economy. It's not like there's a whole lot of you know Trek dealerships in Ciudad Juarez, right? It's the only way to get this product. Um, but if you live further south, you live in down in Guadalajara, you live toward down you know in Baja, you do, you live, you're 16, you're 17, you don't know, you just know that this guy's got a slick ass web page, and he's got super hot bikes that are hot, you know. And you can save a thousand, fifteen hundred. Yeah, you can, you know, and he ships yeah. and he's nice and he's, uh, you know, he's got, he'll throw in all sorts of freebies and it's like, you, you're just looking at, he's got 50,000 followers or whatever it is, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, you know, he has a Facebook business page. For all intents and purposes, he looks like a business to these guys. And, you know, and so the question we were, we wanted to answer was, you know, what what's the score here? Are are the buyers in on it too, or are they not? And the answer is, man, they are not, and they are not happy about that. And then, you know, to get back to the point you were trying to make, you know, we we tried through quiet channels for a long time to talk to Facebook. You know, a you literally can't report. When you click that button and say report this page, it doesn't do a goddamn thing. And I know this because we tried it. We had multiple people try it. There's nobody manning the shop there. You can't, you know, we tried everything from you can click the button for stolen, you can click the button to trademark copyright infringement. It, nothing, it doesn't matter. They, they don't, there's nobody answering that. Um, so we, you know, Bike Index's MO has always been we can reach, we can always find a cyclist in an organization, right? You want to get something done, find the dude at the big monolithic place that you're trying to get something done at who's a try guy or a, you yeah, know, like yeah. a tall biker. So you, trying to find a cyclist you, at Yeah, Facebook. and, you know, we've done a, this with law enforcement forever, is you, you eventually yeah. wind up finding the one, you know, guy who goes out and shreds every week, and you're like, oh, if you're in this city, you want to call this guy because he'll get it done. You know, this is a guy you want to talk to. And, you know, the other Facebook guys are Bay Area guys, and they're, they're sort of in that world. And, you know, we, so we made a number of contacts with with Facebook and just the most depressing waste of time, just a complete dead end. And and you know, you talk to a half a dozen people who say, "Oh, I'll I'll send it up the line. We'll have a look at this." Or, "Oh, I, that's it's not my problem. It's another department." You know, um, 
the whole system is just rotten from the inside out. And, you know, after this story came out, we had more direct contacts with people from Facebook, um, one of which who, you know, emailed me out of the blue and just said, hey, look, I just wanted to let you know. Uh, I read your article. You know, it's fascinating. Uh, it prompted a lot of internal discussion. And, and I, you know, like I tried to be, you know, as diplomatic but, you know, my response is like, that means nothing to me. Like, you, you might as well not email me. Who cares if you guys are discussing this? F and do something. And it's like, what the hell are you people doing all day? We, you know, we tried to talk to you before. We tried to talk to you during. We're talking to you after. Um, this guy's getting back to my original story. He eventually posted uh, a second message saying, oh, wow, turns out a bunch of the bikes I had actually were stolen. Sorry about that. Immediately took it down went dark for a week, came back like five or six days later, posted a third message saying, this is bullshit. Screw these guys. Uh, I've been in this business for 13 years. These are all lies. And he's back in business and his page is still there. The page is He's back. selling bikes right now. And Facebook still hasn't taken it down or gotten really anything concrete God to goddamn thing. Wow. So this email that I got, which was, you know, your thing prompted a lot of internal discussion you know, we, he's like, you know, we, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to be better at this. We're trying to do stuff about this. Um, and I was like, for the love of like, what we're giving you guys actionable human intelligence backed up by terabytes of proof backed up by, you know, law enforcement backed up by like, what does it take for you guys just to do your job. Maybe a letter uh, from the Attorney General of oh, Colorado. Oh, Lord, man. Maybe a I don't press know. conference. Or and I, I know it's funny. Like, that's this is like the least evil thing that Facebook has done ever, right? Like, on the scale from, you know, human trafficking to you name it, like, stolen bikes is, like, pretty far down the list. And I, and I realize that. But it's just it's just funny to have conversations with these people who are, like, their entire job is tasked with making a platform better. And it's like, I literally don't know what, what else we could have done here. And this guy is selling bikes, you know, today, right now, as we speak. Wow. Um, well, regardless of that, the work that, that you and Bike Index have done on this has just been like stellar and amazing. And I feel like since I've known you for a while and you've literally always been doing this, Yeah. but this is just kind of like everything came together in one case. And I'm like, wow congrats even though he's still selling bikes like it's pretty amazing work and i'm assuming it opens up a lot of really interesting good doors for bike index going forward i'm i'm confident that we wiped out a huge amount of his market i uh you know his brand his everything is now associated you know every cycling community down there is aware and and he may be back and he may be selling, but I, I think we we cut the head off of his his profit margin, and I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah, it, I, I want more to happen. I want more to be done. But it reminds me, Brian. Maybe a good tool would be like a a blacklist of sellers of crap <laughs> that you can search on before you buy a used bike. I mean, this this whole thing has given me so many new angles. Um, and so you know, one of the other things we got was just an avalanche of intelligence about other people. Other shops. You need other a whole guys, like research investigative unit. Like, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's, and, and uh, you know so, I, I've sort of been backburnering a lot of what we got, just kind of, you know cleaning this one up. Um, but the the larger problems persist. Like you know what what's the point if, if Facebook isn't going to take these guys down? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what's the point if uh, you know law enforcement can't get to them? What's you know there's 
you know, we we joked at one point like every single person in this story got paid except Bike Index. <laughs> like the thieves got paid, the guy got paid, the cops were on salary, even the guy who drove the truck made some money. Bike Index didn't get a penny from this. We're and also like, putting the donate link in the show yeah, notes, folks. It's a nonprofit. And you know, un- until we figure out a way to sort of make chasing and recovering bikes more profitable it it, it uh you know very mm. few people are going to engage mm. in this right because like i said before the only time people really care about this is when, when they get their bike stolen yeah. and then then they don't or they get their insurance pal and they don't care anymore but like you you've done a lot of work in portland as well so before we switch over to portland a little bit more specifically like do you have any insights on if these kind of crime rings are happening here? Or is that anything you've ever looked? I've always had a feeling that there's obviously a larger thing going on than people think because of the le- level of disassembly you see. We've heard about trucks being loaded, but do you have I, any intel on that? I can't answer that question right okay. now, Jonathan. I'm sorry. No comment. But so sticking on the subject of Portland, um, I think one of the coolest things we did was we had this bike theft task force. There was a moment where we actually had, besides, you know, Besides what people think that cops don't care, in Portland, that has not been the narrative here in terms of bike theft. I look back at some of my stuff, and like I said, from 2009, we had really good allies in the Portland Police Bureau, starting with like Robert Pickett, uh, and then it was like Police Chief Larry O'Day, former Chief Larry O'Day, and then, uh, of course, the Daves, the dynamic Dave duo, Officer Dave Sanders and Dave Bryant, I believe his name was. Um, so we've had really good allies. And then in 2015, along with you and a, f- a couple other folks or someone at PBOT, we had this bike theft task force. So they had a few officers that at least they could say were able to mm-hmm. work on some of this sleuthing, the kind of stuff you do. It's kind of when we introduced them to the whole offer up online. Yeah, you that's know, we, where I we, first, yeah. you started looking into online sellers and stuff. But we opened their eyes to some of the the markets that were sort of out of their out of their reach and out of their purview. Yeah, and even, even back then it was like, I think, I think, beat officers just officers working patrol they don't they know that their own bureaucracy is going to pretty much be terrible at like giving them the tools to do this kind of stuff and yeah I, I felt like they just were gravitated toward like tools like bike index or it was like 529 or even the, the bike listings that bike portland used to have for a while they were, they were just like eager to to look at that info to scoop it up and then there was this one time where i think you helped get it so that like in their patrol car they could yeah. search the um, stolen bike registry give, give them access to all the stuff yeah, yeah they could see yeah. the database so we made such good pro- there were so many things going on i I made a list here like we had collaborations with the city uh, with with the transportation bureau the the, the bike theft task force had hired an intern to help at one point we yeah. had meetings we had you know they, what's, they were funny, getting what's donations funny is like, so I, I still run into you know i still bump up against a lot of these guys not not necessarily that that crew but like i, I went you know during during the first lot and down year um i went and chased a faraday up off of mississippi or somewhere i don't even remember like Wound up just sort of like bumping up against some East Precinct guys who they um, the they had tried to bust the guy on Monday and he ran and got away and and I I got in touch with the victim and it was it was offer up of course and um, this complete stranger from a Facebook group came out of the I've never spoken to this person in my life and this this girl just baited this guy so hard and got him on the hook for the next day and we we got a hold of an East Precinct guy and it was just like. Hey, do you remember that guy from yesterday who ran? He's like, yeah. He's like, he's, so he's going to be at this place at three. Do you want to go see him again? He's like, oh yeah. So you know, I had some really great. Like, I talked to him briefly about like, you know, BTTF and and some of the initial. Uh, and you know, he was a nice guy, and he was he was into it. He he uh, he was the most supportive guy I've ever met from that precinct. Who yeah. he's well, like, yeah, we hear. still check. You know, when we when we when we 
when we get in these situations yeah. where we can do something, we we do it. Yeah, it's not it's as if it's not, not <laughs> as if they've quit entirely because obviously it's a crime and it's it's a it's a theft, so they're gonna look into it. But I feel like we had we had a really good thing going with the task force and yeah. uh, within twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, it was like a budget thing going on. It was probably also a lot of politics, but the police bureau decided to sort of like not have that unit at least technically, and it was and, never really. And then the last two much. years happened, and it yeah. just yeah. And then the is... leader of it, off you know, Officer Sanders, who was always really really like. He was kind of like you in a way. He was like obsessed with bike theft. Like that's all of the, really that all he wanted to do. And effective. He jumped ship and went over to Beaverton PD. And to me, that was pretty much like the end of what we would think of as the task force. Yeah, existing. I mean, you can email them today and they'll they'll send you a sticker in the mail or something. But that's oh. it. That's all you're gonna get if you want to chase bikes. Come to Bike Index. Get stuff. So so get does stuff it, so actually, now get stuff actually done. Okay, so now without the task force, in terms of Portland. It's just all bike index. You what do you do? Become, yeah, I mean, you become bike theft, uh, mutual aid bike so, theft. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly, like, honestly, that's kind of the, the route that has gone. And it's not, you know, we, we still, our playbook that everybody comes in that, you know, every single day of every single week of every single month of my life since I've known you, Jonathan, since we started BT, that VTDF effort and got into it, like, you know, I opened my inbox, my bike got stolen, it's on offer up, what do I do? And, and, you know, that, that playbook has changed a little bit. Um, you know, we still tell people, try to get your local police involved. Like your, you know, odds are in the life, if you, if you're doing this in 2021 or 2022, the answer is probably going to be no, but at least you can say you tried. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> so whatever you do next, you can at least, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's and say, I, I tried to do the thing, couldn't get the thing done, couldn't get assistance with the thing, which is why I then did the other thing mm-hmm. <laughs> or walked away from it or whatever um there are you know there's groups there's there's community involvement um this is gonna be a whole other podcast if you ever want to have a really weird conversation about the type of people that are chasing bikes these days uh there are some people that are so good at it that i could blow your mind with some of the stuff that they are doing they employ every trick in the book ranging from you know psychological warfare to deception to whatever to to get these guys to give up bikes and they're incredibly effective at it um, you I know. feel like it's come full circle. It's like before, before we did anything official with the city to try yeah. to, to try to confront this problem. It was all really community based, and it was exciting for guys like you and I. And then we got into the trying to work with the city and really hoping that the police would come on board and, and really like address this thing like in a real official way. To now we're back to square one, I, which know, is I, like I've, chasing I, bikes the, on our the, free time. The grizzled cynic in me is like, you know. Give, give me so many, like, I can I can go have 30 meetings with a city, you know, I, I can spend 100 hours with a city and get nothing done, or a municipality, or when you're, when you're operating at that level, your, your time overhead is such a, a resource suck. And that's just, you know, I'm not, point. it's just the way it is, right? It's just the way that monolithic organizations work. Give me an angry victim and a bike shop employee and a mechanic, and I can get you know, a hundred times the work I can affect a hundred times the change given people at the actual grassroots level. I can get shit done with those people. Yeah, but those people have been aggrieved by a crime and had their bike sure. stolen. Like, sure, their motivations anything, are different. I mean, but, but no, but do you have anything to say about prevention? How do we stop this cycle from even happening? I mean, it's such a huge deal. It's such a barrier to even. There's so many people who don't ride bikes in Portland or other places because they're afraid to get their bike stolen. Like, just the threat of it is pretty big for folks. Especially I mean, when you when you go to work or you walk in your neighborhood and you see you a bunch you of and bikes I can sit here and corner, have the same so. conversation we've had about locking and protection and yeah. locks and enforcement and blah, 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 blah. I am, I am all in on the let's kill the market aspect. Okay, so... Let's kill the offer-ups. If there was no economy tied to it. <laughs> right. If it wasn't a profitable thing to do, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, OfferUp is the app is designed for crime. <laughs> like there, there, there's the there's so it's basically designed to let sketchy people pawn stolen stuff all day long with no repercussions, and they figured out how to make a profit on it. Go after that. Mm-hmm. Kill the market mm-hmm. off. And, you know, f- Facebook to a lesser degree. Um, but I I am more of the belief that that's more doable. That's more feasible. That's more legislatable. That's more that that's insight. You mean then ten, and then instead of more than every person turning their home into a fortress and their business yeah. into a fortress and their you know their place of or like, wasting you know, all the time with like PSAs about how to not get your bike precisely. Stolen and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, there's you know there's I've. I've seen the big picture for so long that, you know, concentrating on five or six big actors, bad actors, as opposed to the entire population of the world changing their behaviors is an easier thing. Even that's a pretty high bar. Okay. Um, I, I, I have to ask you since you're here, because one of the big things on people's minds when they think about this topic are when they see people outside on the side of the road with dozens of frames that are being what was the what was, the, what was tom's phrase the bicycle abattoir no the, the bicycle uh, slaughterhouse bicycle I, okay. is what tom martin the guy we interviewed I, I last prefer, week i prefer velocipede abattoir thank okay. you but, well there you go yeah but I mean, so he, what, he what is point. happening there are the, are the, I, uh, my sense is obviously there's a that's definitely processing it's intentional strategic processing to um anonymize the bike so that they can't be tracked i recovered my own bike uh, from a situation like that years ago, it was in the process of being what's the word disidentified. They they'd put uh, duct tape over the logo and took off all the accessories and stuff like defaced, that. Defaced, obscured, defaced, yeah. obscured it. Yeah. What's going on there? Are they? Do you think people are just selling those to passersby? Are they getting in a truck going into another city? What's happening with those? It, it, it's from the actual facts and the actual thing that I have seen. It's a little bit of everything. It is. I need this thing, so I'm going to take this thing. It is, I need this thing because I can sell it to the next guy. I need this thing because I can get 50 of this thing and sell it to a guy in a truck. Uh, And in the case of Colorado, it's, I stole this thing, but I've now given this thing to a middleman who specializes in this thing and is paying me more for this thing. Um, it is. It is honestly. It's a. It's a wide, wide, wide spectrum, uh, and so to say, it's X, Y, or Z is, is hard. But I, you know, we've we've tracked individual operators. We've who are just you know the, what you would expect. A long criminal history, drug problems. You know, yeah. can't get a job. You know, this this is a way that they they can make some money. We've tracked more. Um, how do how do I phrase it? There's a there's a husband wife operator combo in Tacoma. Who has about thirty or forty thousand dollars worth of bikes on sale on offer up at any given moment? Who we know, like because we've traced where they're getting, they're they're the they're the next tier, mm-hmm. um, and, and we know this because we we know this, <laughs> and and you know they they are sourcing their stuff from some of these locations, and they they know that they can buy it for X and they can triple mm-hmm. it and so turn around and sell it. So it sounds clear that you think focusing on the marketplace and the the the, the transfer of money is how to how to stop it. Have you have you taken it to the next level of like you know lobbying a member of Congress, somebody on that issue, and saying, "Hey, it's time." It, in terms of regulating internet stuff, which is already an active lobbying. There are space. some, yeah, there are some people making. I mean, we at this point, we you know, we consider them being offer up so bad, so 
they they are acting in bad faith at this point. Have you had any? Have you contacted like say isn't Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon someone who's really into like internet? We, at one point we we just we just started advising every single victim to submit a complaint with a Washington Attorney General, saying, "Look, we we don't care if you're in." Uh, Boston or where, you know, Washington is where they are based as a company. Fill out this form. Tell them this thing happened to you. Tell them you did not get, you, know, you were robbed or you found your stolen thing. You could not get customer service. They did not answer your emails. They did not answer your questions. Um, this is the dollar amount that you suffered. Um, and submit a complaint with a Washington attorney general because what that does is instead of tying, like basically one of OfferUp's great tricks is tying, you know, oh, you had a problem, submit it to our support doesn't go anywhere there's literally nobody on the end of that line they want you in this support black hole where you eventually give up and go away if you're submitting a legal complaint that winds up on a legal guy's desk not a support desk it doesn't it's a whole different ball of wax they okay. are they right. are compelled to respond uh and and let the attorney general know what's going on so we just we just you know we think that's a way, at least one of the ways going forward to sort of move the needle a little bit on that particular problem. Um, and it's every, you know, I concentrate on a couple cities because I'm a West Coast, you know, I'm, I'm in this sphere and, and I can see the size and scope just looking at Portland, San Francisco and Seattle. You multiply that times every city and every state that they operate and you're talking millions of dollars a day going out the door that they are and they've managed to profit off it because they handle money they take fees they do shipping they uh they're so much more and a lot of people make the argument like oh you know craigslist was like that too actually no craigslist was not craigslist didn't handle money craigslist didn't take fees craigslist didn't let you promote items craigslist like they are not taking your cash and handing it to the next guy Mm -hmm. and taking a percentage and, and and all these other sort of financially um uh, their hands are in that transaction so much it's impossible for them to say, well, we're just a marketplace. We have no, we have no say what goes on. We just happen to be making 10% at every single step of the way. Like, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, it's probably a whole other podcast right there. But I, I think if you really wanted to, if you wanted to do the most good with the least amount of, of work and, and you, know, you wanted to solve a big problem really fast, that's where you start. Hmm. Given how much you know about this problem and how close you've been to it for so long, uh, are you afraid to lock your bike up when you go around <laughs> town? Uh, it's, I mean, it's weird. I, I feel like I haven't gone anywhere in two years. So I haven't, I literally haven't had that problem, Jonathan. <laughs> I've been camped out in my backyard office since COVID began. You okay, know, well, lucky I guess me. We, like, I guess we all benefit from that because that means you can spend more time sleuthing and chasing true, bikes yeah, it's on true. the internet. It's true. I mean, this is probably the only time in my life I would have been able to, to launch this project because it's the only time I've had free time uh, to, to work on this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I am a little more, to answer your question, I am a little more paranoid than the than the next guy. Do you think the, do you think theft's probably gone down a little bit? In por- I don't hear about it as much. I wonder if that's why. There's fewer people going out. It's got to be. This, uh, so... We documented a huge, crazy spike in the first year of lockdown because, um, you know, e- everyone like th- there were multiple dominoes that fell. Bikes suddenly got really expensive mm-hmm. because supply and demand went completely wacky. All these shop break ins were happening because you couldn't find bikes. Nobody could get parts like it just that year. 2021 was just the most insane. But you take any metric that we track and it was just the absolute craziest year. This year is a little more chill. Um, and I, and I think 
a lot of the you know a lot of the pandemic craziness is is wearing off a little bit and some of those effects are gone um but 2021 was just unprecedented and and, you know to have to wake up and have bike shops saying look here's here's the 65 bikes we had stolen last night was you know repeatedly uh was was just nuts so so the problem in portland is i'm assuming from your data do you think it's it's kind of steadily going up the last time i saw stats at least from the portland police bureau was 2018 and at that point they estimated um they estimated it was $10 million a year. That was on a vastly under underreported scenario. So it was really like a quarter of that is what they actually touched with their hands. It was about a quarter million dollars. I, I uh, could sit here and pull our stats, but anecdotally, I think that I think we're probably back down to 2018, 2019 levels and 2021, which is such a freaking anomaly. Like in terms of stolen bikes a year, that, that year, the Portland Police Bureau found... 277 bikes in 2018 and they got about 75 percent of them back to their owner which was great that really speaks to the work of like officer sanders and the bike theft task force the fact that they were able to take time to do that they're not getting that many bikes back anymore um so that's that's really unfortunate but yeah i was just curious what you we, think it's funny we have we have another partner we have a partner in colorado who uh she's one of our ambassadors um and a, an ambassador is just somebody who is has their hands a little more in, in bike index and they're either in the cycling industry or they run a shop or they uh, they have some sort of interest in it um and then this person has started working in their local pds uh, they started as a, a pd volunteer just 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 helping out the their local police department just because um and they naturally wound up in in the bike barn <laughs> and they've just been like they're like wow literally no one is checking these cereals these these things are just sitting in a giant pile like no one is going through them no one is classifying them no one's even looking um, I guess that's what I'm doing, you know, for, for the next, however long it takes me. Um, and she's like, yeah, I, you know, day one, I found like a dozen bikes and it, and it just, it's just, no one is doing this labor, you know, it's, it's trivial stuff. They're just not doing it. Yeah. Um, and there's, that... there's so much work to be done. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm sitting here really like happy to see that like 18 years after you started stolenbikeregistry.com, you're still fired up. You're still doing this. Yeah. And and you're in a place where people can help you more than they could in the past. So like you can volunteer, you can help with bike index, you know, get in touch with them. They can they can put you into they can turn you into being a bike chaser too. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean not not everybody has to be Liam Neeson, right? Like yeah. you know, like some of the 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 easiest thing to do is just like Open up Craigslist, check a couple bikes. Open up Facebook Marketplace, check a couple bikes. And when you say check, run if you see serials yeah. or if you just see. And there, you know, it's this is again, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You you learn to see the indicators real fast. Well, I was going to ask you if you worry sometimes that sharing all that you know and your methods and stuff sort of makes it so that if if someone out there is a thief, they know how to cover their tracks a little bit better. So yeah. that would be, well, we, I mean, we see that wrinkle. with this guy, this guy switches operations up, you know, there's, there's never going to be a bike with another Colorado sticker and this guy's stable as long or as Or nice he's... high resolution <laughs> yeah. images, right? <laughs> Precisely. Know... He, he took his logos down. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he anonymized it a little bit better. He took all his personal contact info. He killed his TikTok. So um, you're going to have to constantly, and that's what you've done over all these years, is yeah. that with Bike Index, you're going to have to get better and better at what they do because the thieves are going to get better and better at right. they do, what they do. As sad and depressing as bike theft can be in a lot of ways, it it feels good to know that the good guys are getting some victories every once in a while. And the sort of like, you know, 
things are tightening up a little bit because folks like Bike Index and all the people you work with are kind of like collaborating and doing more to get more aware. So that to me feels like a good thing and like a positive way forward. So yeah, I mean, we we really wanted to we wanted to change a lot of people's thinking about the problem from many levels, from you know victims to law enforcement to people like Facebook to people like you and me to like you know we we wanted people to realize like there's a bigger picture here like yeah this is some crazy long tail you know this this is this is not your average thing that happens all the time but it is happening yeah this, and, and, and it and is bike, bike theft isn't just like you know the college kid on campus has a has a bad lock and gets her bike stolen right it's there, a much bigger picture than and that. there's something else here yeah <laughs> there's definitely something else here well the work you've done on the mexico case certainly shows that and i bet that's only the first of many more and it's awesome and you're doing great work brian thank so, you thank you for continuing to do it and I'm going to definitely be telling folks how they can get in contact with Bike Index to make sure that you can keep doing this work uh, and staying involved. So thanks for coming in and sharing that story. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That was Bike Index co-founder Brian Hance. Be sure to check our show notes for links and resources mentioned in this episode. The Bike Portland podcast is a production of Pedaltown Media Incorporated and is made possible by listeners just like you. If you're not a subscriber yet, please become one today at bikeportland.org support. You can listen to more episodes and find out how to subscribe at bikeportland.org podcast. Our theme music is by Kevin Hartnell. And I'm your host, Jonathan Maz. Until next time, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the streets.